If you'd like to open to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 15 to verse 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the power of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and in dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that we come to you in the power and the name of Jesus. And Father God, we just pray for your word this morning, that even as when you spoke the word, you created the universe, that even this morning that your word would revive in each one of us just the glorious wonder of Christ and the power that you have installed in, our, in the creation and in our world. And even as the scripture speaks to the, the world that is also yet to come, that in all these things, Father, we can marvel and just be excited and that we may, may be excited for your word. So, Father, we just pray for your word to indwell us this morning and give us wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever driven the north shore of Lake Superior? Anybody? It's quite an amazing journey, is it not? Every time you drive around a corner, there's like this new vista. There's this new amazing part that you think, okay, I must stop here and explore this. But if you had to explore every single bend, you'd never get to the end, the end of the journey. Often when, I'm, when I speak to uh, family members back home in South Africa, I've got to tell them it's like driving from Johannesburg to Pinetown, which is near the ocean. It's a six-hour journey. And you don't know those towns, just like they don't know, don't know Lake Superior. But for them, it's astonishing that you have so much fresh water in one lake and it's so large. But on some of these journeys, you get people who decide they're going to balance rocks on one another. Right? Anybody, anybody here up for that? You look at that and you think, how much time do you have in your hands? Maybe I need you to babysit Timothy for, for a while. It's amazing what human beings can do. It's amazing that somebody can align rocks with all that balance and scientific and physics and whatever, and they can make those rocks balance on one another. Life 
sure is beautiful. Physics sure is amazing. It speaks to power. The power of the king. What power there is in the name of Jesus. When you look up, the, up at the starry night sky, you look at the moon and you look at the stars. It's majestic, it's beautiful. At my previous campsite in South Africa, uh, on, at Kyar, we had some soccer fields right up on a mountain. And it was dark. There was no city close by. That there, was, there was no orange light that could distract you from the stars. So we had a good vision of the night sky. And I remember a gentleman brought his, his telescope and we sat on the soccer field and we were looking through the telescope at all of these starry stars and you, you're looking with your naked eye and you see nothing. But you look through that telescope, the power of that telescope magnifies. So for the first time, I ever saw Jupiter. And you know what? Jupiter isn't like what you see on Google. It's actually, it looks quite gray. So I was saying, so why is it not colored? He says, Martin, that's because they use those, it's ge computers generate those images, what they think it looks like. But through a telescope, this is what it looks like. And it's amazing what power a telescope brings to your sight. Have you ever thought about how powerful, even as we think about Lake Superior, how much water in Lake Superior? It's quite an amazing body of water. When you go down to Niagara Falls, you, see, you sort of get a, a feeling for the power of water, do you not? It looks majestic. What about when you go into the ocean and you go into the ocean and experience a, a storm in the ocean? A storm in the ocean suddenly makes the Niagara Falls look pale by comparison. You don't want to be traveling around the Cape of good hope in a storm. doesn't matter how large your ship is, you want to get out of that storm pretty quick. When you've got 30-foot, 50-foot swells, you don't want to be out there. The Niagara Falls suddenly looks tame by comparison. Power. Power is an interesting thing. How strong are you? When you're a baby, what could you pick up? Not much. And in your 20s, you could suddenly lift the moon. And as you get older, your, your strength dwindles. Psalm 82 verse 1. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. The greatest power in creation is our heavenly father. He created all things. He created the oceans. He created our little planet. Our oceans that seem so powerful, but our planet next to the size of the sun pales in comparison. Just as our sun pales in comparison to the greatest stars in the sky. Power. And yet our God called each one by name. He called you by name before the foundation of creation. He knew you. Power. Power is an interesting thing. You see, we're reading from the book of Ephesus. And 2,000 years later, if you had to climb on a plane from Toronto Pearson and you flew into Istanbul, you could go to Ephesus and walk around Ephesus. 2,000 years later, 
the remnants of the Roman Empire is evident for all to see. It's quite a, an impressive visit. If ever you have an opportunity to go, do it. The seven churches of the book of Revelations, to go and have a look at those churches is really awe-inspiring. You see, this is the backdrop of the letter that Paul is writing. He's writing a letter to this church in Ephesus. If you were walk, walking around Ephesus in the time Paul was writing this letter, there would have been this temple to Artemis. It was 350 by 180 feet, uh, or 100, 110 meters by 55 meters. This was an, uh, uh, an amazing feat of engineering. You've got to think, there was no cranes, nothing, nothing that we have in the way of building materials today. And yet some of these buildings, some of those columns still stand. It was a, an eye to behold. Today, people go to Egypt to go and look at the pyramids of Giza because they are amazed by what human beings have been able to construct. It's amazing what people can build when they get together and build something together. What we know about the, the, the buildings, the the seven ancient marvels of architecture. We know it's the, the Pyramid of Giza, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus, where we are speaking about, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Lighthouse of Alexandra. These are the seven wonders of the ancient world. Do you know what the modern wonders of the world are? Can anybody name a few? Niagara Falls, but then that's a natural wonder. Maybe the Cathedral of Notre Dame. When you go into these buildings in Europe and you look at what people have built, it's astonishing to go into those cathedrals. And it gives us all a sense of awe that these majestic buildings. Just three quick facts about that temple. In 356 BC, the temple of Artemis was destroyed in a vainglorious act of arson by a man called Herostratus, seeking fame at any cost. Thus the term Herostratic fame. For this outrage, the Ephesians sentenced the perpetrator to death and forbade anybody from mentioning his name. Herostratus. Do you know the amount of people that are committing those massive shootings and in the USA, do you know what the number one reason people are wanting to do that? They want, their, they want to become infamous. They want to be remembered forever as a person who did something. They want to, people to rem remember them forever. And thousands of years later, we're still mentioning the guy who burned down the temple. They put him to death and they forbade people to speak his name. I don't know if you've heard on the news lately, they've, when some person's done a mass shooting, they're saying, please don't mention the person's name. Because they're saying, because that is why so many people are wanting to do it. They have this feeling of insignificance, and so they do something so terrible that they will live on in infamy. The temple's destruction coincided with the birth of Alexander the Great, around the 20 or the 21st of July, 356 BC. Plutarch remarked that Artemis 
was too preoccupied with Alexander's delivery to save her own burning temple. Third point. Alexander offered to pay for the temple's rebuilding. The Ephesians tactfully refused, saying it would be improper for one god to build a temple to another, and eventually rebuilt it after his death. There's a small picture, and at the bottom of the column you'll see a human being, and the bottom in the middle there. The building was surely majestic. And there's a coin with the temple of Artemis on it, and that's what Artemis looked like, one of her personifications. Antipater of Sidon, the Greek anthologist, says this, I have set eyes on the wall of the lofty Babylon, on which is a road for chariots. That means there's a, on, the road, on the walls of Babylon they could drive a chariot down that wall. It was so majestic. And the statue of Zeus by Alpheus, and the hanging gardens, and the colossus of the sun, and the huge labor of the high pyramids, and the vast tomb of Mausolus. And when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy. And I said, Lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand. Why tell you this? Because context, family, often is everything. Paul is writing a letter to a church in this town, in this place. Can you consider, what do you think the greatest city on earth is? Is it Washington, D.C.? Is it Ottawa? What's the most majestic building in Canada? Any thoughts? CN Tower, maybe? That's wow. When you go to Ottawa, you go to the parliamentary buildings. That architecture sure is... Quite, it looks great, it looks grand. Maybe the Banff Hotel, the Banff National Park, that old majestic hotel. It's amazing, you walk around there, these places are majestic. Power. In this time, Ephesus was a majestic city. People marveled at the power you know, Alexander the Great was linked to this. I was trying to think in my life, an example of power, maybe in a, in, in a person. How much power does Justin Trudeau have? But I've never met him, so I can't really gauge. The first time I, I filled in full-time ministry, I was in a congregation of 15,000 people. 2,500 children on a weekend. The children's ministry had a senior pastor with, with three pastors underneath that. The only time I met the senior pastor of the entire church was to, to be hired for a full-time position. The second time I've ever, ever met him was to be retrenched because they, they were going through a bit of cash flow crisis and he moved me from full-time to part-time. That's the only time I ever got to speak to him. Because when you're in a church of 15,000 people, it's impossible for that senior pastor who's got 120 pastors underneath him to meet with everybody once, in, once a year even. It's not possible. But he had power. CEO type power. I know people who had workforces of 4,500 people strong. Can he meet with each employee? How much power is there in that? Power. You see, Rome 
was a power dynamic. Alexander the Great, do you know how powerful he was? And he died young. I'm, I'm outliving him quite well. But powerful. He, his armies conquered the known world in the time. Can you imagine going into somebody's presence who could kill you without batting an eyelid? Your family, your city, the entire Bancroft, the entire region, just decimated. How much power do those people have? And Paul's writing this letter to this small congregation in Ephesus. And he's saying something. He's speaking to the power of the place in which they live. The powers and principalities. And yet Paul's doing that from a prison cell. A Roman prison. I wonder, do you think that looks romantic? Anybody want to spend a couple of years in a Roman prison? No running water. No central heating. No flushing toilet. Paul himself is in a place of bondage. And yet he can still see the big picture. He's been held because he's appealed to Rome as a Roman citizen. He's appealed to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, you have the right to appeal to Caesar. To be judged by your court of peers. If you weren't a, a Roman citizen, tough luck. They'd probably just wrap you up and send you into the slave markets and you'd be building Roman roads for the rest of your life. Sorry for you. You have no power. I always am amazed by young people or people online who think they have this power, this voice of power, whether it be on YouTube or TikTok, or whatever, and they think they have power. It's really soft power. But their kingdoms can come crushing down at any moment. But Paul's writing this letter to this church in Ephesus where all this evidence of power surrounds them. And he's saying to them, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father of glory, forget about Artemis, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, in the knowledge of him. So what's Paul praying? He says, we need to get a revelation of who God is. And you and I live in a world where we don't, we're not always evidence to the power of the universe. We don't really comprehend the power of our own son, let alone the universe. We cannot comprehend and say, we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God. And God has given the believer, when you say, Jesus, come into my life, I surrender my life to you and I say, Holy Spirit, take up residence in this home that, Lord, you will give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And even as a pastor, what do you pray for your congregation? You pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that people will understand the power of the written word of God, the word that can bring you to a place of salvation, the power that brings creation into being. Forget about Artemis. 
Forget about these amazing buildings that we would have seen in our lifetimes. These cathedrals, it pales. It is all merely stardust in the eyes of God. Paul, when he hears about this amazing little congregation that loves the saints, that does the work of God, Paul goes into the spiritual discipline of gratitude. Even myself, there's not a day I cannot be grateful for my brothers and sisters here at Graphite. Not a day I can't be grateful. Yes, we can have, all have a bad day. But you know what? We're allowed to have a bad day. Just don't make it a habit. Right? Have a bad day, but get on, get on the horse again and let's get going. God is doing amazing things. Here at Graphite Bible Camp, at Joy Bible Camp, at the Youth for Christ drop-in center in town. God is doing wonderful things around here. God is doing amazing things in your life. But this morning I'm waking up to news of another family that's lost a dear child and your heart breaks. Breaks. Wow. However, I know we serve a wonderful, amazing God. And that amazing little child that passed away is now in the arms of Jesus. What a powerful thing to see. What a powerful thing to understand. To lose both my mothers this year, other than to know I serve a gracious God. A God that loves you and I well enough to die on a cross. Wow, that love has power. And so I can rest in knowing that those that have departed stand now in the counsel of God. And it's something to look forward to. And so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the saints who have been before. I'm grateful for the saints that are coming ahead. On, on Friday night, looking at those young people having fun, you look at the saints of the future and you're grateful. Sometimes we want numbers, but I'm, I'm sometimes thinking God is in the quality game, not the quantity game. God's in the love game. God's in the long game. Attitude of gratitude. And Paul, sitting in some sort of cell, you know, there's no nice mattress on a bit of straw, and he's taking the time to write a letter to a church somewhere. You know, somewhere around the world, God is writing a letter to a church. And there's a person delivering this message from God to a congregation that they love. Where what you think is bondage, the down and out, God, just through that letter, reveals his power. Because 2,000 years later, that temple is long gone. This letter is still going strong. Because God will glorify his own name. And for those that love God, he will glorify you. He will raise you up. And I want you to listen to this. What power is there in the word of God that God himself says he will raise you up from the dead? Can Artemis do that for you? <laughs> Don't think so. In the ancient culture, everybody wanted to live forever. In our modern literature, when you're looking at all these movies online, everything is about immortality. 
Everybody strives for this immortality, but what do we know from the scripture? He's linking Artemis and the seat of power, Alexander the Great, but he's saying God raised his own son from the dead. There's no greater power in the ancient world, even in our modern world, that can say, I can raise the dead. Think how many great saints have been before us. You know, God says he's going to raise them from the grave. How many people do you think God will be raising from the grave? Just one or two? Or a staggering amount of people? Can you imagine the power that takes? That God can gather all that grave dust together and... But God knew each and every single human being before the, before the foundation of the world. God knew you. People say, so how's God going to do this? Because God already has your blueprint before God created the universe. Do you think that's power? So when we're praying to your heavenly father, or we're praying lightly, or you're praying with a sense of amazement at our capacity to go into God's presence. Paul continues writing, he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That you may know, that you may know, that you may know. Is this Martin or is this you? God wants you, family, to know. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Can you imagine Mary coming to that tomb? <laughs> Where's, what have you done with my master's body? Peter running down there. Can you be meeting angels to say, oh, he's no longer here? Wow, what power. And we know the story. Jesus' ministry didn't stop. On the cross, it didn't stop at his resurrection. The power of Christ continues today because he tore the veil in the temple. And he's seated on the right hand of the Father. And you know, family, I went online to try and give an accurate presentation of what heaven must be like. This sort of ticked all the boxes, but it's like looking through the telescope at Jupiter and it's in gray. You can see the rings, you can see all those things, but it, it doesn't give you the full emphasis of what heaven must be like. You need to read Ezekiel in the book of Revelations. The sapphire throne, the cherubim and the seraphim and the heavenly host, the 24 seats of elders, everyone with crown on their heads. Wow. God gathers together his heavenly council. Can you imagine standing before this throne one day? Maybe tomorrow, maybe this evening. Are you ready? Let's read what he says further. He says, far above all rule, authority and power. So think Alexander the Great. Think Putin, whoever you think is great. It, 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 it pales. It's insignificant. 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That's a staggering amount of people. Nine, what's eight billion people on the planet today, yet God knows each one by name, but how many people have lived before? And God's saying, even the names are the ones to come. Wow. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Do you get understanding just who your Jesus is? King Jesus, the great high priest. The king of kings, the lord of lords. The problem in our modern world, we don't really have too many kings. We can look at King Charles, but he's more of a figurehead these days. It's not like a king of old. Who's the greatest man in the world today? We're a fractured world, really. People subdue others through the power of the sword or the gun or the tank. No. God's word calls into being. Wow. Can you imagine? So this morning, this evening, when you, before you go to bed and you, you're spending time with God, you're driving down the highway praying, you're singing, you're worshipping. Do you know who is this you're speaking to? But Paul is saying, oh, you know what, but I, I give th- as you're driving down that highway, I give thanks to God for you driving down that highway, just praising God, putting on that worship song and just entering into God's presence. The Bible says pray unceasingly. Why? Because that's where the power is, family. It's in the, in, in, the, in the precious gift of prayer and worship. God wants you to live in this place. <laughs> that is why you were created. That's what you were designed for. That's why when you're having a boring day playing computer games in the basement, and I've been there, I've done that, but it's never fulfilling enough. Because if it was, you'd never move on to the next game because we get bored with the, this thing and we move on to the next thing. Yet we are destined for a place you and I can hardly comprehend. Let's read again. Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. Do you know you're a son and daughter of the living God? In the midst of the gods. God's, God created you to be a God. And you say, Martin, that doesn't sound right. No, he wants you to be like Jesus. In the image, you were created in his image. But God is God. You know, capital G-O-D. You and I are the lower caps. Because he has given his authority to you. And when you operate in his authority, if I go down the road, like somebody says, if I go out to to a meal in a restaurant and and I decide, well, Pastor Martin's going to have a beer tonight, nothing wrong with that. But it happened once in my life. That a young man saw me having a beer at a restaurant and he said to his mother, Well, Mum, if Pastor Martin can have a beer, surely I can too. You see, there's authority. If Pastor Martin can have the beer, then I can too. I never had a beer again in any place I think anybody would notice me. Because there's authority that is greater than me. I am nothing. I'm a mere mere human being. Losing my hair just like everybody else. Putting on kilos that I shouldn't be putting on because life happens. 
But when people see me behaving in a way that will influence them, you've got to understand the power of the word of God. And my role and your role is to people lead people into God's presence, into his divine counsel. Because in God's divine counsel, there's no better place to be. And I know, family, for sure that if your prayer life is good, I do not have to worry about you. If you exit in God's counsel every day of your life, morning, noon, and night, I'm just grateful. But you and I have family members out there that are not. And so my behavior has to be, God, I'm your son. You're his daughter. We've got to behave like we're from the divine council. Say, Lord, here am I. Use me today. May my words bring glory to your name. And you're not, I'm a sinful human being. If you doubt that, you can even ask Timothy, he will tell you. And he has special needs. You're not nice. And so I know. You have been invited, family, to this table. If you come to communion on an you're invited to the table. There's a, a, a place set for you. It's like going to the Queen of England. I think, what is the best invitation you could possibly get to go to a white tie gala event at Buckingham Palace? Have you seen some pictures of those, the, this, the place settings? The, the footmen, they, they walk on the table with these boots on that are made out of velvet and fluff and so they, they don't mock. Can you imagine getting that invitation to tea with the queen? And yet, family, that pales in comparison to the fact that you have a seat at the divine council. God has a crown just for you. Not because you are great. No. Because he loves you. You're his child. And so it's about time the church started behaving like they're God's children. We do not live for ourselves, but we live for him. Because he loved us first. He's my betrothed. He's my bridegroom. Lord, here am I. Where will you take me this week? Where will you take me tomorrow? Where will you take me this afternoon? I do not know. But may it be exciting. Because we serve an exciting God. If you don't believe me, go and look at the starry night sky through a telescope. The world suddenly, the options suddenly explode. And you go, wow, here we are. So while you're driving around the North Bay, Northern Lake Superior, take a moment to see what God has created that we can make stones stand on one another. Power. 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 Remember the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power is operating in your life. Never forget it. When you're lost and you're down, it just takes a second to say, you know, Father, I'm kind of lost right now. And I really need something better than a GPS. I need a spiritual GPS. And I say, Holy Spirit, please get me out of this mess. And that's your invitation this morning. Just reconnect, family. Just learn to realign all the time, all day long. Just realign. It's so easy to get despondent. I get despondent regularly. I've learned this. In the early days, I was going to be a man. I was going to do it by myself. It doesn't work. Now I just say, Lord, here am I. Just 
Use me, Lord, just realign me, help me to be a blessing. Let's be grateful for who God has created in one another. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your word that just created all things, that created my brothers and sisters sitting here before me this morning. Even for the people that are going to be listening online, Father God, may you grant each one revelation and wisdom and counsel of just what it means to be your child, what it means to be part of your divine counsel. Father God, help us to be fruitful. Help us to love you like you love us. Help us to love our neighbor like you love them. Father God, that in all things we bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's no music this morning because there's been a family emergency, which happens to the best of us, right?